You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. All right, everyone, it's time for another episode of the Ice Cold Takes podcast. After rattling off three consecutive wins, the Rangers have faltered this week with absolutely embarrassing losses to the Wild and the Blues. There's panic amongst Rangers fans, and here to talk with me this week is Evan, a.k.a. Core Python. Great follow on Twitter, by the way. Thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Um, hanging in there, hanging in there. It was, it was definitely an experience watching the Rangers get shafted on uh, Thursday night. I mean, the game against Minnesota was one thing, but, you know, we absolutely got plastered on uh, on Thursday against St. Louis. Six goals against, Shesterkin gets pulled. That doesn't happen too often this year. I mean, it hasn't happened at all with Igor, and I'd say the perfect sum up of this stretch of games was Georgiev tripping on the goal line or tripping on air, whatever it oh was they God, tripped yeah. on one of those goals. Uh, that definitely sums up the way that this week has gone. Just nothing good. And you definitely picked the right guest for ranting about the Rangers because I'm seen as a face on YouTube and on Twitter as one of the negative fans. So you definitely got the right one here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad I picked you then. Uh, yeah. Like I said, terrible performances against Minnesota and St. Louis. I mean, just... They like forgot how to play hockey. I said what I what I said on Thursday was that like the Rangers didn't even show up to whatever St. Louis's arena is called, like not even present in the building. No, they, they were like you. And even if you paid attention to like the broadcast, Sam and Joe, Joe Micheletti was like calling out the Rangers for puck watching, which is like that's like a basic right amongst like hockey players, NHL p- professionals. You're not supposed to do that, like. How many missed assignments were there, especially just in that first period? It was I mean, just absolutely that, atrocious. That second goal was, in particular, I just will that one will never leave my head because all I see it as was Fox playing cat and mouse with Brandon Saad behind the net, and then Lindgren doing a Kim Kardashian pose in front of the net, sticking his ass far out, <laughs> just facing Igor for whatever reason, and just gives it all day for who was it Barbashev on that one. I probably probably Barbashev. I, I it all those goals just just stuck like they they blend into one for me pretty much. It, it's just the the first goal was really nice passing, but a terrible terrible defense from the Rangers. Like they were puck watching basically. They they couldn't take the right guy, so it left one guy open who had a wide open net on Chesterkin. I mean. You could you could argue that had Dryden Hunt not missed the wide open net, the entire left side of the cage was wide open and he shot it into the goalie's pad. If he hits that shot, we're up one nothing and you're looking at a different a different kind of outcome. Panarin had a great chance. He got robbed. 
You know, Gauthier had a breakaway. He didn't score, like always. And we'll get to him, too. I know how you feel about him. <laughs> um, but it's just nothing is going right for the Rangers. They're not playing well. And, like, what's the excuse? What's the excuse this time? It's like you always get, like, the, oh, they're coming off a West Coast road trip and they got back at 4 a.m. And, the, like, you know, they, they didn't get any sleep or whatever. What's the excuse this time? Oh, Gallant worked them too hard in practice the day before with a bag skate. Like, okay, these are professionals. They deserve that bag skate because they played horrible against Minnesota. And, you know, I'm expecting him to tear him a new one before tonight's game against Dallas. Uh, he better. I mean, he needs to start holding guys accountable, and it looks like he finally is with Lindgren, which I woke up late, and the fact that I saw Libor Hayek is practicing with Fox, it was a disgrace, but at the same time, Lindgren might need to take a seat for a game because he has just not looked good. I just don't understand, though, what the obsession is with Keandre Miller because he just is notorious for making dumb, dumb mistakes that peewee hockey players don't make. And he's just not facing any sort of accountability, no punishment whatsoever. And he's getting praised because he does things offensively. But in reality, defensively, him and Truba are a disaster together. There's always one guy that I say every, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse every time I make these videos after the games. One guy always just leaves the other one behind on that Truba Miller pair for an odd man rush the other way. Nonstop. Mm -hmm. Truba always pinches, he pinches a lot. I, I will, I will, you know, call Truba out. He's had a good year. Best year as a Ranger so far in my eyes. Uh, but Truba likes to step up in the offensive zone. And Keandre Miller doesn't know how to play defense yet. He's only played defense for six years, so he's very inexperienced. Whereas a guy like Truba has probably played defense his entire life. How old is he? Like 28 years old? He's probably played like at least 15 years defense. So, I mean, you can't leave a kid like that out to dry. And at the same time, Keandre Miller needs to learn how to use his body. He made one great play against Kaprizov, and that's everything I've been asking for. Like, he made... He made he took the body on him. He used that big-ass frame of his, and, you know, he, he laid him out, put him on the ground. That's what he needs to do more, not get caught behind the net, not reach for a poke check when he should be body checking. Use that frame of his, and, you know, that's how he'll, he'll get better. But it's just frustrating, that pairing. I agree with you. I think they need to change something up. And I think Hayek's out there because, you know, Glantz um, wants to keep his guys together. That's probably why Zach Jones isn't there. Uh I don't, I don't mind it, but you know what? Like, eh, it's, it's rough. It's rough. But I, 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 I'm glad that he's recognizing that Lindgren has not played well. Who knows? Maybe he's banged up or something like that. Fox hasn't played well either. Yeah, no. He ever since he's come back from his injury, he has not been the same guy at all. And I don't know. I was one of the first to notice it apparently because I knew it right from game one when he came back that. He just has not looked the same, and I'm glad more people are recognizing it. And that injury looked pretty bad, so I, I'm definitely not surprised if he's still hurt. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that maybe sitting him for a game or so could also be beneficial, but you don't have alternatives here because for whatever reason, this organization has something against Zach Jones, even though he also played center until he was 15 but he has a shorter leash than Keandre Miller, who also played forward for the longest time. It just makes no sense how the leashes are chosen. Dryden Hunt 
Granted, you don't have a lot of alternatives for the second line, but I definitely rather see Barkley Goudreau on that second line than Dryden Hunt. And the fact that the St. Louis Blues had the audacity to tweet save of the year for Billy Huso's pad save on the Dryden Hunt two-on-one, come on. That's just sad. That's sad, honestly. You know, you know what? You make a good point about you know Hunt. He had a, a horrible game, absolutely horrible. It's so bad. Like he misses the wide open net. He misses. He has so many missed defensive assignments, especially on the one leading. It was. It led to a goal, and then he got his ass handed to him in a fight. He got dropped, and then one shift. One shift. I completely forgot that he was in the box for fighting. One shift. Goche gets put on that line. He draws a penalty. Literally, yeah. you could do anything. Put anybody else other than Hunt on that line, and it'll be just a little bit better. Just a little bit better. Not a whole lot better because any of the guys that you put up there, they can't finish. No one, no one knows how to score a goal except for our top six guys. And Strom is he's a borderline because he misses a lot of wide open nets. Yeah, Strom has kind of been overhyped this year. People are saying that he's having a good year. They look at the points and say that, but... To me, him and Panarin just have not looked on par whatsoever this year compared to the previous years. And mm-hmm. sure, playing with Dryden Hunt probably does not help. I'd probably be a bad player if I was playing with Hunt. Uh, granted, I'm not a hockey player by any stretch of the imagination, but I, the listeners, you're probably better than Hunt. I'm probably better than Hunt. We all are. It's not really difficult. All that guy does is throw hits, and it speaks volumes when the Arizona Coyotes didn't even want to bring you back. It just mind-blowing to me that this guy was playing fourth-line minutes for the Coyotes last year, and he's playing top six minutes for a contending team, if you want to even say that the Rangers are contending at this point, because it's just an absolute disaster. And game by game, you're realizing more and more that Igor is the reason that the Rangers are here. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's like this team, that's why Shesterkin should probably be MVP. You take the, the guy away from the team... We're we're like we're middle of the pack. We're pretty pretty much exactly where we were last year. I'd say there's no way, no way in hell that we're we're in second or third place in their division. No way. Like Shesterkin is 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 bailed us out so many times. It's just like the Lundqvist era. I mean, it's just it's it's really bad. It's it's really bad. We're so reliant on the goalie, and that's not how it should be. Like we, you look at other teams like Florida and Colorado. Every single one of their players you could rely on. Yeah, at any given moment, you could say, like, all right, this guy can go score a goal. All their lines. They have Reinhardt on the third line, Hornquist on the fourth line. They have guys that have been have proven to score goals on all their lines that could score go- that could score goals. Same thing with Colorado. They have like Burakovsky in the bottom in, in, in the on the third line. That guy could score goals. But can you rely on Hedel and Goche? No. They have good talent, yeah. But, like, at what point do you give up on them? Yeah. Goche got drafted in 2016 in the first round. Hedl was a first-rounder in 2017. He's been with the team for, seems like, forever. He's only been with, he's been with the team for five years. Hasn't broken out yet. When do you move on? And it's looked like he's just regressing, it seems like. And it's just frustrating. And I found it laughable when Gallant was like, oh, yeah, play like Mika Zibanej at the Hedl. And he took that as okay play like Connor mcdavid because the next game he goes out and tries to break through the neutral zone through four guys meanwhile lafreniere and barkley gujar are just hanging by the blue line waiting for him 
and he had a wide open passing lane. Maybe he could have started a two on one, but no, he took that way too literally. And for the Shisterkin point, I don't even know if we're even fighting for a wild card spot if it's not for the year he's having because this team has just been way too garbage without uh, Shisterkin. That and then you see what happens when he has an off game. The team just gets completely exposed and. I have a lot of Twitter beef on uh, with the Leaf fans, specifically Adam Wild, uh, and yeah, he called me out a bit on their podcast, and I found it funny because they he had one bad game, Igor, and they're acting like Matthews has never had a bad game. I'm sorry, but if you take away Matthews from the Leafs, you still have Mitch Marner, you still have John Tavares, you still have William Nylander. They're at mm-hmm. least fighting for a wild card spot. The Rangers are in the basement, maybe even battling it out for Shane Wright right now. If it's not for the year Igor's having. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like, and, and also, I will say that power play is special teams has carried us this year. Both sides, yeah. Power and play you're seeing and what happens kill. when we're not getting these power plays because right. I talked with Stat Boy Steven before the. I think it was around the new year, and he said, "Okay, you're playing these playoff teams. You're relying on your your power play. What happens if you get a game where you don't where the opponent doesn't take any penalties? What happens then?" And that's exactly what happened against Minnesota. No power plays, basically. And we, we got fisted. Absolutely destroyed. That's you cannot rely happened. on that. You need to be good at even strength. And it's been a problem all year, especially with Panarin. It's not, he's just, I don't know what it is. He's just, maybe he's tired from carrying so much. I, I have no idea. Is he playing hurt? Is it something about Russia? Something's off with that. Like, he's not shooting the puck. He only wants to pass it. He's got a great shot. He scored goals with his shot this year. It's not like, like he's his his hands are stone now. It's just I, I don't I don't know. It's just probably an instinct thing. Maybe I have no idea. Yeah, with the penalties, uh, you really saw it against teams like Pittsburgh. You're seeing it a lot where they're getting less power plays, and the refs have just for whatever reason not given the Rangers some of the calls that they're giving mm-hmm. these other teams. But with Panarin, yeah, I don't know what it is. You're the one guy on the team that's allowed to be selfish, and you're just not being selfish at all. Ryan Strom is not going to score goals for you. He misses open nets. We know that. Dryden Hunt, he just shouldn't even be in the NHL, so I don't even know why you're trying with him. It just makes no sense. And there was the article that Larry Brooks wrote that everyone was – telling me, oh, it's Brooks, don't believe it, with the Gallant system and Panarin. I honestly think Panarin is just using it as an excuse for his poor play. I, I believe the article because he's having a bad year. It's clear as day, and I just think it's an excuse for his poor play. He's overthinking, he's overpassing, and some of his passes have just been garbage turnovers that lead the chances the other way, and sometimes... It's in the back of the net after, especially when Georg gives in, because God only knows what he does on breakaways. Mm-hmm. No, you're right about it, and it's it's hidden by the fact that he has so many points this year, that he's a great player. Like Great players are able to pr- produce even when they're not at their best, and that's what Panarin has done. But it's just, I, I, yeah, I agree. that The system's not fit to him. His The offensive system, we're way too slow. We're way too slow. We don't have any fast wingers. I said this last week. We dump and chase the puck way too much, and we don't retrieve it with control at all. 
There's no players on our team that could straight that could skate in a straight line and beat a defenseman to a puck, except for like Kreider or Gauthier. That's it. Lafreniere doesn't skate from end to end with blazing speed. Zibanejad doesn't do it. Panarin doesn't do it. I mean, Kako probably won't even do it. We don't have those guys that will go straight end to end. Like, we don't have that kind of team anymore. So I'm looking for a team that's better on transition off the rush. That would play to our strengths. Make a move at the blue line. You have so much talent. You're telling me you can't make a move around the trap? Why? I don't understand that. Yeah, I, I don't know if Jerry thinks it's illegal to make a move before March 21st or what it is because oh, Phil Kessel's being asked for a third-round pick and they're willing to retain salary. You don't. You have $31 million in cap space. You don't even need them to retain salary. You could probably get him for a fourth or fifth-round pick. What the fuck are you doing? Go get Phil Kessel. Yeah, he's not going to really improve that transition game that you mentioned because he isn't really known for his speed, but he's far and away better than Dryden Hunt and a toddler could tell you that. I don't understand what the excuse is there. And yeah, you're right. This team just plays with no speed at all. And I'm really convinced that something's going on behind the scenes with Dolan and Sather because there's just, this isn't the same go that we saw in Vegas and Florida. This just isn't, you saw a fast team. You saw a team that would always just have an aggressive four check, Mm -hmm. two guys up at all times and now you're just seeing one guy up and they're kind of just trapping at this point and i don't know if they saw what the islanders did with a mediocre roster and are like hey we could do that and get by with this or what it is but it's just not working and gallant needs to just have them play a more aggressive four checking game and the dump and chasing thing it it just it kills me because how many times this year have, in particular with the fourth line, because it's mostly with Reeves and Rooney, where they won't, they're just not aware of where the red line is, and they'll dump the puck from behind there. It's an icing, and they're already a minute and a half into their shift. Face off the other way, they sustain the offense, and it's in the back of your net. It happens so much. I, I I agree. Yeah, I've seen that happen a lot. Uh, that that's killer. That's killer. Like. You need to you need to be aware of that. If you're gonna dump and chase the that strategy, dump and chase should only be for that fourth line for when Reeves is on the ice because when he dumps it in and he's coming at you, he's huge. The defenseman's gonna be scared shitless. So that's probably the best chance for a turnover to happen by the opposing team. And you know, in the beginning of the year, the fourth line was getting their chances. They were playing great. Now they haven't gotten any chances, really. It's just ineffective. We only roll out our top six. That's it. That's all we can rely on for, for offense. We need more. The, and then going back to, like, we're too slow. We're also too slow on the breakout, too. Truba and Miller make – they're way too slow off a transition. The breakout passes, they're horrible at that. They can't make one to save their lives. They have two guys all over them. The entire, the entire game against St. Louis, two guys were pressuring them, and they couldn't make a move. They couldn't make a pass. Off the boards, nothing. Couldn't do it. You can't, be, you can't do that. You need to find a way to get the puck out of there. And when you get, face a team, I know St. Louis is in the Western Conference, but if you face a team like Carolina in the playoffs, that's the same kind of style they play. They're going to be all over you, all they're in your face. They're eating that for breakfast. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna eat you alive, honestly. And that's why we got destroyed when we played them the first time this year. 
Um, and we need we need more depth. I, I don't know who you would like to see. Kessel is, would certainly be an improvement. Some people are saying Lekkinen would be good. Uh, we need offense, goals, points. Someone that puts the puck in the back of the net. Pavelski's gone, so that puts a that was a heartbreak to me. That. Uh, what was that? That was a heartbreak to me. Yeah, five and a half million dollars. It's a lot of money. I mean, I'd give it to him over Strom. I think I'm on board with. I ran a poll. I think I'm on board with Hurdle now because if he's going to make six million dollars, right? And he's putting up. Who are his line mates? Meyer, right? And then who else? Who else does he have there? I'll check real quick. Uh, Maybe LeBanc. I'm not too. But it's not. It's not anyone as good as Panarin, right? So. You put Hurdle on this team, his faceoff percentage for his career is 53%. That's incredible. That's incredible. We just need someone that's like 50%. He's 53% for his career. He's never been below 40, uh, 50% in a season when he's played center. There was one year where he was, but he he, he didn't take that many draws, so he was well below uh, 50, 50%. You replace him with Strom... And you're looking at at a, a at a different look at that five v five because if you could win faceoffs in the offensive zone, you could start the cycle. You could start generating chances, incorporating your defense in the offense. It's just completely different. I mean, even on the power play, I don't know why Ryan Strom's the one taking faceoffs when Zabanajad this year his faceoff percentage is over fifty percent. It yeah, makes no sense, and Strom shouldn't even be on that top power play unit. It should be Lafreniere and. It's clear as day to most Ranger fans, but apparently we don't know. And right now, Hurdle's linemates aren't even Meyer or anyone of talented. They're Alexander uh, Barbanov and Rudolph Balkers right now. Those are his two linemates. And those, I mean, they've probably got some talent, but they're not, you can't compare it to Panarin. Nope. You can't compare it to Panarin. And the great Dryden Hunt. <laughs> or Dryden, yeah. And that's in the <laughs> negative direction. Yeah. Mm. Um, hurdle would be good. Some people are saying I I wanted Shifley originally, um, but I've heard that he's terrible at defense. Yeah, he's. Awful. I don't like for me. I'm not so much concerned about the defense because Panarin is pretty good. At, I mean, this year he's all right, but he's been pretty good in his career at defense. Uh, and Kako has been really good at stick checking. So you would imagine that Kako is the right winger on that line. Doesn't matter. Those guys would offset. You would hope that they'd offset, you know, def- defensive deficiencies of your center. So I wouldn't mind having Shifley in there. But if you're going to get Hurdle for six years at $6 million, sign me up for that. I'll take yeah, it. Because Stroman wants more than that, and he's definitely not worth is it. Is there a report that says that how much money he wants, Strom? I mean, the last I saw was in that six to seven and a half million ballpark, and I'm not giving Strom that. Most I go you have six, hurdle for six mil. Six point one two five is as much as I'd go. Yeah, then Strom, see you later. And for the defensive thing with Shifley, I would agree, but you you mentioned before that this team just doesn't have a good puck moving defenseman, and then Truba and Miller shouldn't be a pair; they're too slow. If only we had a good puck-moving defenseman that's sitting in Hartford that gets punished for one mistake. Uh, that's Adam Fox-like also. But 
Yeah, they're just way too many slow defensemen. And then Patrick Nemeth, he's been a complete disaster. And the guy they signed in the play with is in Hartford right now also. And it's it just been such a disaster with the defense. And you look at what they could have just brought back Brendan Smith for. It's an eyesore. And I'd rather, honestly, Anthony Boteto be up here over Patrick Nemeth. I don't know what the obsession is with him playing, but I'd I'd love to be a fly in the room with these meetings to know why he's playing. Yeah, it's just started to me. It's starting to to feel a lot like the the 2013-14 Rangers, not in the bad way, like or 14-15, like when Dan Boyle played too much. Like you would put Boyle out there against Ovechkin. I don't know. I feel like maybe Glenn Sather's got some some pulling the strings a little bit. It has to be because there's just there's just no way Gallant is. There's just no. I refuse to believe that Gallant all of a sudden is not this genius coach that we saw in Florida and Vegas. He was making all the right decisions. He was clicking the right buttons. Made William Carlson a forty goal scorer out of nowhere. Right. I, I want to know what William happened. Carlson a forty goal scorer. Imagine what he could do to Kako and Lafreniere. Like that's what I want to see. I don't. I. I don't want to see the like this this style of hockey. I don't want to see you win every game two to one and just shelter for the last twenty minutes of the game, in in the defensive zone. I'm tired of that. I want to see a run and gun offense. Like I want to see in your face forechecking. I want to see high octane offense like these other teams like Florida, Colorado, like Tampa Bay was, um, Vegas, those teams. I want to see that. Carolina. Yeah, I always talk with my friend about this. How like. 2012 torts the way that he had the team playing with this aggressive offensive system it clearly worked i don't know why we have to look at what teams like the islanders did where they got by with this defensive hockey did they win a cup with it no no so they're not going to exactly so i don't know what because earlier in the season gallant was like yeah i don't want to have our team trapped but all of a sudden yeah i want my team to trap and what happened to the scoring depth all gone, and that's what was winning us games this year, like you said earlier, where the fourth line was contributing. Ryan Reeves was a playmaker at times. Kevin Rooney was scoring goals, and you need that depth offense, and it's just gone. Granted, it doesn't help when you have Greg McKegg, who thankfully is returning to the lineup tonight for probably Tim Gettinger. Uh, but no, I don't know why we have to play this defensive hockey that lost us the cup in 2014. Because how many times where we went up 2 nothing, did we blow the lead? That's like, it was like the first two games. We had two goal leads in the first two games of the finals, and we and we lost both of those games in overtime. Yeah. Because we, we, need, we need more scoring up. depth. It's like baseball. Who are you going to call on to get a hit when you need it? Who are you going to call on to get a goal when your top six can't get it done? It's not going to be Gauthier. He may put in the most effort out of anyone on the team, yet he can't find Twine ever. Uh, I don't know. The guy gets someone's got to sit down and talk to him about that. Like, and it's anybody, anybody except for Ryan Strom. Don't talk to Ryan Strom about golden opportunities. Yeah, or, or Dryden Hunt. Yeah, Heedle has shown flashes of his talent, and he can't hit the back of net, hit hit the back of the net enough either. So I'm I'm just I'm tired. I'm I'm fed up with it. Like we're relying too heavily on on the top six, like top six lines. So like. Zabanajag Kreider, 
they're averaging like closer to 20 minutes per game. Panarin closer to like 18-ish minutes a game. You look at like Florida that uses all their lines. Reinhardt's got like 16 minutes of ice time. I mean, he gets power play time, yeah. But like our third line guys, Gauthier, he averages 10 minutes a game. Do you realize how much we're relying on that top six? They got to be burned out at some point, especially Fox too. I mean, he's young, yeah, but you can't use him in like every single shift. It's got to be team. We need more. Yeah, and it goes in hand with why the team is struggling because you only have one line that's doing anything five on five because of how bad, and I mean just terrible, Dryden Hunt and Ryan Strom have been this year. Panarin, yeah, he's had a down year, but he's still at time. Like We know what he could be if he had better line mates. So all these teams have to do is shut down our top line, and that's it for them. It's easy work because... Other than that, they have a good penalty kill also, and we don't score on the power play. It's over. Most of Panarin's points this year, well, not the majority, but a good amount have came on the power play. 28 of his 63 points are on the power play. That is a good amount. Yeah. I don't know what that tells you about who he's playing with, but something's got to change, and I don't know why Drury feels it's illegal to make a move right now because Phil Kessel should be – flying to Dallas right now to be playing for us tonight or Raquel, whoever you want to get Andrew Cobb, Paul Stastny, whoever it is that you want to get, go out and get them because the scoring depth, it's inexcusable to have this bad of scoring depth. And if there's no changes this off season to the developmental staff, I'm going to be very disappointed. Yeah, I will. I will too. There's something up with that with, we've been saying it for, for like the past year, like Kravtsov and Lise Anderson Whoever's developing the forwards is just, it's just not acceptable. It's not Jeff a good Warren job. Jeff and Tanner Glass, baby. Oh, God. Put them somewhere else. Put them somewhere else. Like, ah, oh, man, that's just, I don't understand. I don't get it. How do you screw up all of your forwards? All your forwards. And then your defense, not bad. Not bad. I mean, Lindgren came through the system. Miller's coming through the system. Fox didn't go through the system because he went straight to the team. Yeah. Same with Miller. Schneider. Schneider went there, went through, and he's looked pretty good. Uh, so it's I'll just say it's okay for defense. Like, we don't need it to be as good as Benoit Allaire is at goalies, with goalies. We just need it to be way a little bit better than what it is right now. That's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, I have faith in Brian Othman next year stepping into the lineup and making a huge impact because he's not even going to touch Hartford. Because for whatever reason, when yeah. forwards touch Hartford, that's it. They're done. They Don't expect them to succeed because we've seen it with Heedle. We saw it with Anderson. Saw it with Kravtsov. Kravtsov, granted, we haven't got a good look at in the NHL, and hopefully he'll come back for the second half of this year. I don't know if they're waiting for him to come back or what's up with that. But it, as long as Othman doesn't go to Hartford at all, which I don't think he's eligible to, uh he should be fine, and as long as they bring him in the right way and actually play him with better line mates on that third line, if he does start there, hopefully he'll be fine. But if you just have him playing with Philip Hedl and Sammy Blay next year, don't expect much. Yeah, uh, Kravtsov is is in the playoffs. Um, he's playing with Tractor. The last game, I'm trying to find his, his like the schedule, the regular season schedule, but. Uh, they run deep 
into I think April probably or deep into this month maybe get out early April so that's probably when he he'd come over if if at all I don't know if you could rely on him because he's never you know had any points like he hasn't played enough in the NHL to to rely on him same thing with Othman I I'm I hope that he breaks out like you know makes an immediate impact like Schneider like Braden Schneider uh, but I'm not gonna rely on it because it's just I've never seen it happen with the Rangers forwards before. The 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 closest was Oscar Lindbergh, and you really can't even compare it to to like uh, like a prospect. Like you can't consider him like a prospect because he was kind of like older. What was he like? Twenty six maybe? Yeah. Twenty five, twenty six years old maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he was like twenty four. But that's the closest we haven't had a guy like that that comes in as a forward and immediately lights it up. We haven't we haven't had that ever. I don't remember any any players like that except for him. Lindbergh. I mean the closest really is Kreider maybe, where he came in and made an impact yeah, that was the playoffs. playoffs. Yeah. That was really about it. I mean, I think I'm not expecting Othman to come in and win the Calder next year, but I think that he's gonna be I think he's gonna have a pretty solid year next year. Kravsov I don't know who it was that brought it up, but the best thing you could hope for at this point with him is for a Jonathan Druin situation that Tampa had where he comes was... in, lights it up, and you trade him for a Sergachev-esque player, except you definitely want to look for a forward because for defense, you're already stacked in the pipeline. So if you could get an improvement up front and hope for that Jonathan Druin situation, that's your best outcome there. That's just, that's what Statboy Steven said. That's what he kind of hopes for. Yeah. Um I don't know what player it would have to end up being for for that to happen, but like this, the way this the roster is constituted, I'm on the fence about going all in. I don't want to go all in this year. I really don't. I don't care if Shesterkin's having a career year. He's gonna win the heart. Like this is a once in a lifetime season. The team is not good enough to win the cup, and you cannot convince me otherwise that they are, because I look at all these other teams. And they are beating the crap out of us senselessly at even strength. It's not it's not close. Like we're carried, we're so carried by our power play. We're so carried by that penalty kill. And we're so, so carried by Shesterkin. We're not like Toronto or we're not like Florida. We don't have any depth. Like we don't have enough. You look at other teams like when we went to the finals, any one of our guys could could chip in offensively. Anyone. Dominic Moore, Boyle, St. Louis, Nash. Stepan, Kreider. We had guys up the wazoo that could score goals. Zuccarello, Broussard when they were on the third line. Right. That was the best third line. Zuccarello, Broussard, and Pouliot. Yeah. We don't have have anything like that. They were getting... We used all of our lines, like, frequently because they were able to score. They were able to score. We can't rely on our third line because they're not able to score. So that's why Gauthier is only getting, like, 10 minutes a night. Hedo's only getting 13 minutes a night because he can't find the back of the net. You add three players on that line, Goudreau plus two other players that could find the back of the net like maybe 30 times, 30 points from each of those guys, 20, 25, 30 points, somewhere in that range, then you're looking at a completely different look uh, of, of the team. You're, you might convince me that this team should go in, all in, but... The thing is, you cannot get a guy that's a rental, that's a one-year deal, 
that you're only going to be playing 20 games with and then see you later in offseason. I need somebody that you know you're going to be able to lock up or that's already signed. So like Hagel from from uh, Chicago. His contract looks, I think, is pretty good. Uh, if you get like a Yanni Gord somehow. Or I'd love. Yeah, that would be incredible. He's under contract for five years. Uh, Garland, his is a little too expensive though because he's like making closer to $5 million. I wouldn't want that for a third Which liner. we couldn't afford with Pavel Buchnevich, so... Buchnevich is making how much? His cap is five five million ish, and yep. he's a first line right winger. And that might be the best he, contract in the league. Sometimes he's playing on the third line for St. Louis, but he produces like because a first that's liner. How deep they are. They, Brandon I mean, Hagel, one point five million dollar cap hit for the next three years for for the rest of this year and two years after. As long as Chicago drops their asking price, because their last one was completely insane. They wanted like a mid to top level prospect, the first and the third. I wouldn't give that up for Hagel, but a lot. I, I mean, but for that kind of contract, man, that's oof. I'd give up a fair amount for him, especially considering what we have right now. And it looks like according to daily faceoffs that Julian Goche is the odd man out tonight for Greg McKeg. So yay. Wow. Yay. <laughs> yeah. John, more Johnny Brzezinski and Tim Gettinger. Oh God. I mean, yeah. like you can't convince me that this is a team that should go all in unless they could somehow fix all these holes with buying low and the one thing i'll give this organization the benefit of the doubt with is sammy blay being hurt and out for the season super early just completely derailed the entire thing with the with the depth because it screwed up the entire thing then Kravtsov, where it was half on him half on the organization that's another guy and your depth got tested way too early that's the one thing i'll give the organization the benefit of the doubt of but mm -hmm. you can't tell me that this team should go all in, even though Shesterkin's having a career year, even though Chris Kreider's having a career year. There's just way too many holes on this roster that you can't fix it in one deadline. You just simply can't. You have guys in the pipeline. I mean, you could have Morgan Barron playing. Like, I just don't understand why this organization has something against Morgan Barron. And what infuriates me the most is that he's sitting in the press box and I, I said this in my video against, I think it was St. Louis. This isn't the NFL where you have the backup quarterback with the earbuds in and the towel around his neck where he's going to learn from sitting in the press box. He needs to be playing. This isn't football where just watching is going to help him out. He needs to be playing either in Hartford or up here. And there's no reason he shouldn't even be playing here on the right wing over Dryan Hunt, considering what we have. It's just embarrassing that... You have a couple guys that could be playing over Hunt, Brzezinski, Gettinger, McKegg, all these guys, but they'd rather them. Why? I don't understand why you can't just give some of the younger guys a chance, like Niemi. I'd rather see him struggle right now in the NHL right. than see Tim Gettinger and Johnny Brzezinski. This is why I say we're still rebuilding. We're not done yet because... We haven't given these guys enough of a chance yet. This process should be well on its way. If we didn't have David Quinn, if we had anybody else coaching, Lafreniere and Kako would have been on the power play. They would have been in the top six every game. They would have had like 20 minutes of ice time a game, just like Zabanajad and Kreider. But no, let's dump and chase the puck and never have it on your backhand. Never make mistakes. If you make a mistake, you're going to the fourth line and you're getting five minutes of ice time a game. That's yeah. not how you develop it. That, 
David Quinn nearly d- killed this rebuild. Two people destroyed this entire thing, and that's David Quinn and John Davidson. I don't understand why Dolan wanted Gordon fired first out of all of them. That makes no sense. He should have been the one to stay if anyone, and it should have been David Quinn and John Davidson getting their asses out of here because Davidson, ever since Panarin came in, they felt the need to accelerate this rebuild to a degree that they shouldn't have. So that's where I blame Davidson. And then Quinn, I don't think I have to say much with him. Colin Blackwell, Jesper Foss playing over Kako and Lafreniere. It's just it's just a complete joke that those two, for whatever reason, felt like, yeah, let's just try to contend instead of going with the plan of rebuilding. Jeff Gordon shouldn't have been the one that was fired. And then Davidson having to take the bullet for him and going also for him. It's just ridiculous. It, it's so ridiculous to me. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it, I, I like the moves that, that Drury made. I like that he added Goudreau. I think he's a versatile player. I think he's had a good year. I think he's good. I think he's worth that contract. What is he? He's had a career high in goals. He's, he could play up and he's down the lineup. Shatter it. What? He's going to shatter his points also. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, he could play anywhere in the lineup. Like, good. He's good. And he could play center, too. And he's good at faceoffs. It's not like he, he just he's okay at faceoffs. Like he can actually win faceoffs. So if you wanted to, you could play him at center and get two other wingers. You don't need to put him on the left wing. He could play with Panarin, and he doesn't look completely out of place. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you want Kako there, but I'd rather have Goudreau there. Like you said, I'd rather have Goudreau there than Hunt. But if you take Goudreau and put him up there. Hunt might not be as good on the third line. Like that third line is already non-existent. If you put him there, it's even worse. Yeah, and that's the like, thing that they're worse. doing with Goudreau. They're just trying to spread out the offense, and that's why they're playing him in the bottom six versus with Panarin and Strom. Because Gallant kind of said it. He's like every line that Barkley Goudreau's on gets better, and it's true. Philip Hedl's been playing a bit better since Barkley Goudreau's been playing with him. So. There's something to be said there, but mm-hmm. my only problem with Goudreau and Nemeth is they're combined making the same cap hit that Buchnevich made, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't have a problem with this if the organization followed through with putting Lafreniere and Kako on the top six. My problem is that both of them have not been on the top six at the same time this year. So what was right. your reason for getting rid of Pavel Buchnevich if you're going to have those two play on the third, one of those two playing on the third line either way? That was the message I received. That was the immediate, my immediate first reaction to after I saw Buchnevich traded. I was like, all right, so this is it. Lafreniere, Kako, top six. Every game. And yep. then it, it didn't happen for like more than half the season, pretty much. More than half the season. Obviously, it sucks that Kako's hurt right now. I'd really, really like to see what he could do. But, I mean, with those two guys... They need the puck more. They're not going to produce if they don't have the puck. When they were in on their like respective junior teams, when they were drafted, they were the guys that had the puck always, always. They don't have the puck at all when when like it's just they barely have it at all. They need it more. Yeah, they need to. They need to. I don't know if it's they need to pass it to them more. Like Zabanjad needs to give it to Lafreniere more so that he could get experience, get more comfortable handling the puck. He looks like he's trying to make some moves and stuff out there, Lafreniere, and I like to see that. But I need him to get it, get the puck on his stick more. I need him to have possession with it, 
make more decisions, make, give him more opportunities to make decisions. There we go. So that, you know, he could become a better player. I think that's what it boils down to. Yeah, I mean, it's unfair to him right now that they're in this situation where they have no depth. So that line with Lafreniere, it looked good early, but now they're getting shut down because teams know that if we shut down this Criders of Badger Lafreniere line, we win the game because they're the only ones that do anything five on five. And then with Kako, he was in an unfair situation where he was playing his best hockey that he ever has, has best stretch with Panarin and Strom, and go on for whatever reason said, all right, no, we're going to move you up with Kreider and Zibanejad. And He viewed that as a promotion, I'd say. I'd say that's like, they could, they'd probably consider Panarin's line line two, and then Mika's line line one, and they probably viewed it as like, all right, kid, you're playing really well, we'll give you a little bit more ice time. Which is ridiculous because you could just you should. No, I roll should, out. I, you can roll out those lines evenly. It makes no yeah, sense to me. Exactly. Exactly. You could distribute the ice time evenly, and awesome. uh, and you could do it even more so if you had guys on your third line that could score. Yep. And that's how we were able to do it with with uh, Alan Vigneault in 2013-14. That's how we were able to do it. Every single one of those guys, I'm not lying, I'm not joking, we know this, they had guys up and down the lineup that could score. Richards, Nash, St. Louis, Broussard, Pouliot, all of them, Haglin. Derek Dorsett could, could look good. He was fast. He could skate end-to-end. Like, we don't have those guys. Like I said, we're too slow. We don't have enough depth. We're not ready to make the, the push for the playoffs, for the, uh, for the cup yet. Get me to the playoffs, see how we do there. And then in the offseason, sign a couple guys if you can. Maybe move Truba's contract out so you get some get some space to get some room to work with. But as the lineup is constituted right now, I don't see this as a, as a cup-winning team. So don't sacrifice your assets for 20 games of, 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 like, of a player you're not going to keep. Like if you, if you trade Krafts off for Andrew Kopp and say, see you later, Kopp, in the offseason, I'm going to be pissed because you just wasted – your best asset, one of your best assets, if you, or if it's Nils Lundqvist, if you trade Nils Lundqvist straight up for Andrew Kopp, not saying it will happen, but something like that, and you say, see you later, Kopp, in the offseason, you're down your, your best trade asset. So if a guy like, I don't even know, becomes available, another another great player, like if Shifley actually becomes available, or Matthew Kachuk comes available, and you want that player, you're not going to be able to get it because you just gave up your best asset for nothing. Yeah, and it just sucks because I have this gut feeling that they're going to go all in and they're going to do it. Based on the reports that we've seen, it seems like they're in on the bigger names. It seems like they're in on these guys, and especially JT Miller for whatever reason. And I, I'm scared for this deadline. I'm not I have prepared. Nothing, I have nothing against JT Miller as a player, but I've heard that he's a cancer in the locker room. That's exactly why I'm so against getting him and especially with him in new york there were times where he would come into practice and play games hung over you can't have that guy you just can't have that guy back i can't find any reports of that but i've heard multiple people say that that is what happened i can't find any articles about it nothing but i am willing to believe that's what actually happened he was a good player for us but i mean once he got out of New York, he just became so much better, and I don't, I don't know why. Is it because? Is it because of that? Like, did he stop doing whatever it was that he was doing and start focusing on his game? Like, I think 
JT Miller would be great for the team. I, I think he would be a good player on the ice for the team. But in the locker room, it's don't tough to say. We, I don't know how he is. Maybe he's changed as a person, but you can't rely on that. I have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah, and especially with what you dealt with last year with D'Angelo and Lemieux. Uh, and then you, you just can't Georgiev. bring that back. Yeah, Georgiev, you can't have a situation where your locker room is back to being just a nightmare because last season was a complete nightmare with that. Yeah, you have guys that know how to set the tone, like Barker, Gujo, and Ryan Reeves in the dressing room now, but still, you don't want to run the chance there with that. And I just don't see the reason of going all in. Yeah, I understand the argument also that you're cap-strapped kind of for the next two years because Truba is unmovable, uh, and it's not until two years from now that his no-trade clause becomes a modified one. And then obviously he's not going to waive it that no trade clause. He wanted to be in New York. His wife wants to be in New York. He's not going to waive it no matter what. So you're in a pickle for the next two years, but I'd rather them just gather assets more through the draft, gather all these assets, keep the assets they have and either make moves when you're cap strapped and maybe do the cap loophole that teams do or keep the assets and actually use them. Maybe actually try using them instead of running Greg McKegg out there. Maybe use them instead of running Jain Hunt out there. Just a crazy thought, but it is a thought. This, the first step to realizing to, to solving a problem is realizing that there is a problem. And I don't know if upper management realizes that there's a problem. I think that this is the way they want the team to play. They want them to be like, uh, just two lines of scoring, Don't just entertainment. Either. Like because it is entertaining to see Panarin, Fox, Kreider, and Zibanejad light the lamp however many times as you like the amount of points those guys are putting up is bonkers. We didn't have guys like that. I want the whole team to play to to play well and uh those guys to keep their point totals. I want everybody else to get involved too. Like I, I get so hyped when, when Lafreniere or Kako score because that's what the rebuild is. That's what I want to see. Those are the guys that... All right, that's gonna... what the letter was sent for, and that's what right. we suffered five years for. And the fact that... like, What was the point of these past five years if we were You're just going to... use these players. Like, yeah. What the way was that the they reason? were supposed to be used. Exactly, yeah. And you flopped on... And for whatever reason, this organization can't accept that they flopped on the Miller-McDonough deal and Libor Hayek is still here. They can't accept their failures, which is another problem with this organization. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's rough. Yeah, the, we talk about it all the time here. The, the McDonough trade was, was it's a loss. There's no other way to put it. it really, The was. Rick Nash trade was a win. So. Yeah. It, it's okay that it was a loss. It's not a big deal. It's not that it's It is a big deal, but it's not that bad. You you could look on the bright side with there's silver linings to this. Like you were able to get Zibanejad for a steal. You were able to get, get rid of Nash or trade Nash and get a haul back in return. You were able to, uh, oh my gosh. You, you were able to get Strom for Spooner, basically. That's, that's incredible. Like, 
Strowman's played well for us, and then now you could possibly turn Strowman to something else. That's amazing. We don't we don't know what's gonna happen. I I think I have I have faith that Gallant will you know tear into them. I don't know what it was that happened at practice yesterday. I don't know if anything of note happened yesterday. If they if it was just a travel day, but I think. At some point, he's going to sit down with them and say, like, listen, this is bad. I know it's only two losses. It was only two losses, but it was the way they lost. The way yeah. they lost. This team this year, when they come off of a bad loss, more often than not, they'll come back with a good performance or a win. And I, I'm I'm happy with that. That's what I wanted to see. Last year, you did not see that. It was just... Win loss, win loss, win loss, win loss, and then a bad loss, and then at the end, the very end of the season, it was just bad loss after bad loss after bad loss, and it was just we crumbled and we died, we folded and we died, we just stopped playing. Yeah, I said this in one of my videos that the problem, the thing that aggravates me with this team is that they never lose close games. They do occasionally, but it's just annoying that they can never lose in a competitive way they always have to get blown out or at least 80 percent of the time it feels like these losses have been blowouts the calgary one you have you have uh obviously these past two games the vancouver loss all these losses and i'd like to argue that last year that happened more frequently and it, it's happened this it year don't did. get me wrong but like not nearly as much well it, it seems like we're in every game like there's a different feel with the team, and I, I don't know if that has something to do with Goudreau and Reeves and like the like Gallant in there or whatever. I don't know if it has something to do with that, but it, it seems like we're closer. We're more into every game than we were last year. That's true, because the difference was the close losses last year with David Quinn would always be like five to four losses where they get your hopes up at the end of the game and mm -hmm. you think they maybe are yeah. going to come back. And then they lose five to four, six to five, or something like that, or four to three, where the game was already out of reach and they had to come back from four goals behind. Yep. That was the difference. And to go back to the McDonough Miller trade, uh, you have someone still from that trade that you could use. You drafted Niels Longquist. Uh, but now what? Are we going to trade him for at the deadline for pieces because we think we could contend? This five years is just a complete waste. So yeah, you could have got Rasmus Sandin, but except that you have Niels Lundqvist and use him. doesn't yeah. matter if they got Sandin. They'd probably treat it the same way. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, people so quickly are like with Kravtsov, oh, we should have drafted Wallstrom or Dobson. No. Or Farabee. But would it really make a difference? Yeah, maybe they'd maybe be playing, with, but... Maybe with an American. Maybe with an American, because it, the Rangers do love their American players. That's true. So maybe with Wallstrom and Farabee, but I, I don't know how much it would make a difference at the same time. Sure, maybe they'd be playing, but would they really be performing at an elite level? I I don't think so. It was... It, you know, I think this is something I didn't even think about until, like just now like maybe the transition from Gorton to Drury uh killed the process for Kravtsov to get into the starting lineup like if Gorton stuck around maybe he would have fired DQ David Quinn and hired Gallant and then sent the message saying 
listen, get this kid in the lineup as much as possible. But with Drury, maybe maybe it kind of maybe it's kind of screwed up. I have no idea. I can't confirm nor deny whether that's an actual thing. But I don't I, think I don't... Gordon wanted to fire Quinn. I think Quinn was still going to be here after, and it felt like one guy was taking a bullet for the next. Where Dolan and upper management was like, "All right, let's fire Quinn," and Gordon's like, "No." So they're like, "All right, we're going to fire you." And Davidson said, "No, don't fire Gordon." And then Davidson took the bullet there. And they all just got fired. Both of them, yeah. One guy that should not have got fired that I need to mention because it aggravates me. Why did Jacques Martin get fired? Oh yeah, yeah. He did. I thought he did a a pretty good job last year. Like I was talking about this in spaces with I forgot who, but I think I heard you talking about that. I might have been in there. Yeah. Yeah, I think you were. And why he? Why? Why the defense was the best it's ever been. Why was he fired? I, I don't know. They gutted house completely, except for Benoit Allaire. I was like, that was one of those forgotten about moves that they made in the offseason that they got rid of their, 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 uh, that, that, uh, Jacques Martin. And just to go in house, it's not like they reached out to get someone better. They just went in house, and Gord Murphy was there in the bubble series. So, and the defense was a disaster there. So I don't know why they thought, oh, yeah, let's just bring. Gord Murphy up from well Harvard. I mean it was only three games in the bubble and I don't think Gord Murphy had anything to do with how bad that defense was and that's true Lindy Ruff Lindy Ruff's defense and I mean Carolina was pretty pretty good yeah <laughs> Carolina is pretty damn good but I mean you're I, seeing I, similar things that you saw from that bubble series with the defense and Gord Murphy was there so there is something to be said about that I just don't understand. I maybe they make a change in the off season there, but I doubt it. I think they're just gonna stick with what they have. The only changes I see really is the developmental staff, and if they don't make those changes, oh boy. If <laughs> oh there's boy. one thing that I want to see change for next year, it just feels like the 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 management is so stubborn. It feels like. You know, you're never gonna you're never gonna get Jones in the lineup consistently enough. You're not gonna get Cock or Lafreniere ice time consistently enough. You're not gonna get them power play time enough. Like you just remind me of something that someone brought up. Sorry, uh, but yeah, yeah I, but like it, that's my point. That's what I'm saying. Like you, you, it's just too damn. They're too damn stubborn. But yeah, go ahead. I don't remember who said this, but I do want to bring it up because it remind me if. Fox didn't win the Norris last year just because of his size. He would not be on the top pair right now. It does not matter. He would not be despite him being good. If he didn't win the Norris last year, he'd be on the second pair or third pair even. This year? Yeah, just because of his size. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. Because and I agree with that. If just be oh, just, there's you saying they demote him because he's too small? Yeah, just because okay. say they're has this obsession with bigger guys and he's definitely he's definitely up Drury's ass and Gallant's ass. There's no question. Well, I mean I don't Yeah, I guess, I guess so. Maybe if the I don't know because David Quinn played him in first pair, right? They were the top pair last year. That's true. The entire way basically they were the top pair. So That's true, <laughs> but the only reason is uh, because of these changes, because Glenn Sather didn't have as much of a say as he has now. Mm. We're yeah, right I, now. I don't. 
understand. It's just it's really frustrating that the whole management there's there's ans- there's questions we have and we're never gonna get answers because it's just tight lipped. I, I saw on Reddit the other day like the the Rangers run jury the jury administration runs a tighter ship than the Pentagon. Like they're so tight lipped. We don't know anything. We haven't heard any we don't know have any concrete rumors. And I hate it. And the only rumors that it seems like have gone out there is that they want JT Miller badly. But stop that nonsense. Just stop. It's, there's no like Elliot Friedman report saying like, okay, we, we have a deal that's that's like the Rangers are kicking the tires on this player or whatever. That's Knowing it. the way this goes, they'll make a move right after the recording. Right. Yeah. 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 That'd be screwed. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyways, that. Uh, do you have anything else to add before we wrap it up? Uh, not really. I mean, all I could really say is hopefully tonight against Dallas, they bounce back and you got a couple of big games coming up. You got the Islanders aren't in it, but that's always a big game against the Islanders. You have Carolina on the schedule, Pittsburgh twice this month. And then pretty much all of April is more than half of the games are divisional games that Mm. are very important, especially against Carolina. Those are important games. The deadline's coming up, and all I ask is Drury doesn't go spending like a drunken sailor and go crazy at the deadline. Just smart. Buy low. Buy low, and you hope those guys help you win the cup. If not, it's okay. You gave up third-round, fourth-round picks. You gave up lower-end prospects. It's okay. Just Be don't smart. That's give it. up. That's all I have to say. Yeah, don't give up your top-end guys just for what you think could be a deep run. If you go on a deep run, let it be because of Igor Shosturkin. Let it be, yeah, and then make make the necessary improvements to build everybody else, make it better next year when you, do, exactly. when you get to the offseason. And, you know, it's important to note that – one last thing, yeah, so it's important to note that the Rangers have gotten this far in the season winning against, like, essentially – non-playoff teams like we've we've beaten a lot of non-playoff teams it it really comes down to that I hate to admit it but it really it really has so if this is a playoff team a true playoff team we're gonna need some wins here we're we're, nothing's guaranteed don't take anything for granted I'm a Mets fan I know you're a Mets fan too oh yeah oh yeah this is giving me way too many vibes of the Mets last year I'm getting those vibes and I hate it that's the, the biggest life lesson I've learned as a Mets fan is don't take anything for granted. So go out, win games, buy low, spend smart jury, and, you know, that's it. Just win some games. Just don't be like an embarrassing hockey team like you were this past week. Don't let us fans go through that again because we don't know what we're going to do if this is what, what it's going to be like the rest of the year. And I'm willing to bet that it's not going to be like this. I'm hoping for a bounce-back performance against Dallas tonight, a team that can't stop winning, seemingly, I think. So let's see what happens. Yep, and go show, uh, go show Joe that he shouldn't have signed that extension. He should have signed with us in the offseason. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Make Pavelski eat his words. All right, that, <laughs> that about does it for us on the Ice Cold Takes podcast for this week. We'll see you guys next week. Hey Rangers fans, thank you so much for listening to the Ice Cold Takes podcast this week. Make sure you follow at Ice Cold Takes Pod on Twitter to stay up to date with the latest Rangers info. See you all next week.
don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I know.